Hello and welcome to Belonging Before Believing, the podcast where we answer your questions about the church from the inside. I forgot. The sun is That's out. What we do. And we are mellow. <laughs> Sun's out, guns out. No, I could go for a tank top right now, though. That would oh, feel I was nice. thinking like a nine millimeter. No. <laughs> or my 30 30. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I just thought of my most powerful weapon. What's that? Probably my mind, oh. <laughs> not my arms, but. Mine is my fountain pen. Oh, nice. <laughs> Pen is mightier. I Dude, like it's it. beautiful out here. We're in your backyard, in your new backyard. Yeah. What do you think of it? What do you think of your new place so far? Oh, wait. Hey, I'm Patrick Mathers, the pastor of Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. Oh, and if you couldn't tell by now, I'm Brian Gumpy. That dude who's an elder at Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. Executive pastor? No. You said you wanted to be that. I don't want to be it on paper. I just wanted to function like one. What, why don't you want it on paper? What if I write it down? You're the executive pastor and slip it, slip it over to you. Because I think most executive pastors are hacks. That's why. Yeah. What, their names are like Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Eat one, all you Marks out there. <laughs> Ted. <laughs> Probably some Bobs. Yeah. A, a, a Bill instead of William. Because, mm-hmm. hey, you don't want to be too pretentious. What do you think? I'm Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, the EP. Not, there's not too many executive <laughs> pastors out there named Willie. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Maybe, uh, in Maybe in there's the Bible. Maybe in the Bible, Bill. Or Todd. I bet there's no Todds. <laughs> I bet there's a Greg. For sure there's a Greg out there that's that. There are no Aussies. Oh, you're just singing, or not singing, but playing that. Dude, you can hear the helicopter and everything. This is great. I, I guarantee like you, it. you're going to be able to hear it. the helicopters, the lawnmowers, the leaf blowers. That's not even the hospital helicopter. That's a CHP helicopter. My dog barking, my child running around, throwing sticks and climbing in trees, singing songs about how she's a monkey. Dude, I had Chick-fil-A yesterday going <laughs> to Auburn. It was so good. It was so good. We don't have one here in Chico, so. What made you think you of gotta, that right now? You got to get it. Oh, I'm, I'm working up to it. Okay. <laughs> and, and on my way home from um, eating Chick-fil-A in Auburn and doing my job. But um, I got a phone call. Guess who I got a phone call from? Daily Christian Podcast Paul. Oh, my word. That's right. He was listening to our episode on failure. Yeah. And it, I, don't, I think we mentioned my birthday. It's the day before my birthday. Yeah, yeah. We recorded. So... He called to wish me a happy birthday. What a guy. I know. I love that guy. I heard he's starting up again. It is. It's going. I've been listening to it. Yeah. It's super good. He hasn't been posting about it. Or maybe the the algorithm hasn't on Instagram has been thwarting Mm, his posts from getting into my feed. I don't know. But I've been listening. And I pray for that guy all the time. So, hey, belonging before believing listeners, go download Daily Christian Podcast and listen to Paul. He's a good guy. The homie. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Oh, I'm older and wiser, but I'm creakier and I need to sleep more. That reminded me of something my grandfather told me. Shut up. That his father told him. (laughs) No, no, you'll appreciate this as somebody who's 46 now. Yeah. Don't go higher. 
I'm asking. <laughs> yes, I'm acknowledging the truth of uh, oh, it. I don't know if you were like that chick who says she's like 29 and like eight quarters or something like that. I got Andy for her 30th birthday a mug that says 39-ish. Yeah. Yeah. It's long been broken. <laughs> Probably that, by being thrown at me. I was going to say, is that the one that got chucked <laughs> at your head? Anyway. No, no, that was the fancy tea one. So my grandfather <laughs> said that his father told him to always respect people who are smarter than you and older than you. And then my grandfather turns to me and goes, and Brian, the list is getting shorter all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. But how come you don't respect me more then? (laughs) (laughs) It's an understood (laughs) respect. It's a subtle respect. It's nuanced. It, uh... I don't do good with nuance. Have you noticed? <laughs> I'm pretty black and white, just blah kind of guy. Yes, I have noticed. Yeah. Yeah. I have been told that I'm like a guy who is trying to build something and has the two by four on his shoulder, and I'm just swinging around <laughs> trying to figure out where to go and knocking people down. I've been told that before. Yeah. In fact, even oddly enough, prophetically, like one time a guy laid hands on me and like <laughs> did his little... <laughs> mumbo jumbo kind of thing, and he's telling me the some kind of Holy Spirit business. And Lord Holy Spirit, please <laughs> never let this man have a two by four on his shoulder. It wasn't like that. And it if was, he does, keep me far from him. <laughs> it didn't actually Father pertain God. to the Father God, Lord Jesus. Didn't pertain to the in your two spirit's by four, name, but it did to pertain to my uh, proclivity to um, be insensitive. <laughs> As they're, like, raising you up or something? No, this was a long, long, long time ago when that stuff still actually... It never mattered to me, honestly. I remember in my Holy Spirit and His Gifts class back in Bible college because I was in one of those Bible colleges that had the Holy Spirit and His Gifts. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink. Wow. (laughs) Uh that they were, they were, you come up and they, they, dude lays hands on you and says some words of power over you. And the power words were supposed to turn your tongue into speaking other tongues. And like, I, I, it didn't work for me. They didn't take. And I was super pissed. Well, no, I wasn't pissed. I was real discouraged and disappointed because everybody else along the line was like falling out and telling me the shit about a Honda. And <laughs> I was like standing there like, dang, man, I suck at this Jesus stuff. <laughs> Sounds like Calvary Chapel's version of like the sorting. Oh, oh, did you just say where that was? Oh, oh, was I not supposed to? I was trying to be subtle. Oh, I was trying to be nuanced. Everybody knows where you went to Bible college, dude. Do do they? Yes. This is the worst kept secret in belonging before (laughs) believing history. Okay. Well, there you go. (laughs) Now the secret's really out. Oops. I, well, it would be really, really out if I could remember the guy's name who tried to give me the Gonzo, but I can't remember his name. <laughs> Gonzo the Great? No, the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. For I could do miracles and see visions, and although old men are supposed to be the ones who see visions, that hasn't happened yet, so I'm holding out hope. Maybe you'll grow into I'm it. still young. No, I'm forever young. That Rod Stewart, is that Rod Stewart? Let's say it is, so I could be right, Okay. Because I really like being right. <laughs> All right. Hey. Yeah. Speaking of being on the wrong side of history. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Or the right side of history. It depends, I guess. Hey, do we got a question? We do. It's going to be. This is an oldie. Yeah. Right? This is one that's been kicking around. And 
Why haven't we got to it's it yet? It's not that old. It's not. It wasn't one of like the original. It wasn't? Like, because the original group of questions, that was like, I don't know, like 50, 60 of them. We didn't get to one of them because it was like. It was ranty. It was ranty and actually was, like 15 questions. It was barely a question. Right. It was, it was basically like a, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you have a podcast? Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, but this one's old-ish. Like six months. Is it? Okay. Yeah, something like you that. You got it, right? This isn't one of the ones I got, I don't think. I don't remember anymore. I don't either. It's been too many and too long. Okay, so today's question is, the Bible condones slavery. Mm. Why? Mm, this is touchy. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's yes. Yes and no. Like, I think that the part that makes it touchy for us, the two white guys in uh, 21st century America... It's not really, like, I don't see how that really applies in the same way. We could talk about slavery in general, and that would be real touchy. Mm -hmm. But the Bible condoning slavery. Mm -hmm. but or there, there are some people who would say something along the lines that because we are two white dudes, that either we, we, don't, we don't have a voice to speak on this subject or that we should be offering some kind of apology because slavery did happen. Well, we already we're, talked we're about that in our Black gonna, Lives Matter episode. No, I know. I know. But we're not going to... Well, that was a while ago, and maybe some new listeners haven't heard that one oh, yet. Oh, if you are a new listener and you're listening to this, you should definitely go listen to the Black Lives Matter one. That was one of my favorite ones. Yeah, but don't pause this. Listen to it after the fact, because it'll, it'll, it'll add stuff, right? Or should they pause it now and go back and listen to it? I... What would you do if you were... Having not recorded this episode yet? Well, we haven't yet. I'm not really sure. Okay, I think I would say... I think th I don't I'd have the attention span to pause this, go back to listen to something else, and then come back. Well, there's your answer. So if it were me, I would just listen straight through right. this and then go listen to the Black Lives Matter one. Yeah, because you are typical. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> okay. really know how to receive that. Slavery. So, first question. Yes. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because of the way you just laid it out there mm -hmm. about whether or not we should or should not be the ones to speak on this because of our skin color, has slavery historically, mm -hmm. as, as humans, not in the United States, um, but worldwide historically, has uh, slavery always been a race thing? No. In fact, I would argue, and we, and we'll use, we would use scripture to do this, for the most part, it hasn't been really a matter of race. It has been one nation conquering another nation and then subjecting those people to a form of slavery. And there, have, there have been varying degrees of slavery throughout history where sometimes it's just straight up, yeah, you're, you're a slave of this government and you have to do whatever they say and no matter what. We kind of see that with the Israelites and the Egyptians in the beginning of Exodus. You know, mm -hmm. they're under the thumb of this other government and they don't have liberties and freedoms. Um, and then there have been other types of slavery, which it, when we talk about the Bible, quote unquote, condoning slavery, this is along the lines of where... Um, where we where the discussion needs to happen because in right after the Ten Commandments in Exodus twenty, you have Exodus twenty-one, which is helpfully located, but it speaks to the matter of slavery. 
which is odd, right after the Ten Commandments, that that would be the very next thing that it's brought up. Slavery, the Eleventh Commandment. Well, no, it's not the, necessarily the Eleventh Commandment, but it, it's, I, I think the reason why it comes up so soon is because it definitely, if you read chapter 21, you see that it foreshadows Christ and our relationship to him. But that's, that, that's not a, but I don't, don't necessarily, that's not what I'm trying to get to. Um, it talks about slavery, but it's not slavery in the sense of um, you're in bondage to somebody, but rather you willingly are bonding yourself to somebody. And it would be more akin to a employee-employer relationship, although that isn't, there, there's, they're by no means one-to-one correspondence right. there. Um, so can I, can I read yeah, the first yeah, yeah. six verses yeah, yeah, here? Go ahead. Because I, I think for people not familiar with that, they're going to be pretty surprised about this condoning of slavery and what it actually says here. Right. Uh, so Exodus 21 verse one. Now these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years. And in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. Mm-hmm. So there's a term right. on this quote unquote, I mean, quote-unquote, slavery. Mm -hmm. Um, If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. So that was probably going to be a little weird for some people. Mm -hmm. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. Mm-hmm. So there, there. Yeah, it's if, if um, you, you know, not, not everybody. It, there, I'm, I'm frustrated a little bit with today's desire for just absolute, complete equality in every way, shape, or form for everybody. You know, because that's just not reality. I mean, as much as we want that kind of equality, I am never going to be certain things. I can't. There's some things I just can't ever be. And I'm not salty about that, but it seems like some people are salty that if I would say, no, you can't be that, you can't do that, that that would somehow be offensive. Um, And the reason I bring it up in this case is there are some people who are just, you know, here in this particular instance, you have a wealthier individual who has the ability to um, purchase this guy, and it isn't uh, the the kind of like, uh, now you're my property. It's he's paying for his work in advance. He's paying him, you know, he gives him room, he gives him shelter, he gives him clothing, he gives him everything that he needs. And so he's paying for his services, basically, as it were, in advance. Now, I'm not trying to, to you know, make it prettier than it was. It was still you were becoming a bond slave to this individual, and you were bound to do whatever it was that, that he said. And But this is the kind of condoning that, that there is. But you have this in front of you that in six years you're going to be freed. Um, so why the difference between... Uh, it seems like men and women here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not if uh, the woman who's married to the slave ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But it says if the master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you think about it, the, the, 
the woman had entered into a relationship with that master herself, presumably somewhere along the line. And so just because she marries dude doesn't mean she gets to go free but why wouldn't, ahead of schedule or but, something along those lines. Right, but why wouldn't she be there for six years and then the seventh year go free like a man oh, would? Oh, oh I, I see what you're saying. Well, I, I, well, part of it is that, you know, we're, we're going to get into complementarian issues here, which isn't where I thought this podcast was going to go. But, um, it, you know, the Bible clearly speaks of a distinction between men and women and the way they function and the way that we um, are ordered in society and the way that um, we're ordered before God even. And that, um, you know, the, the woman's relationship, you know, doesn't mean uh, inferior. And it's, you know, we, we kind of fall all over ourselves trying to qualify this because of, you know, modern sensibilities or whatnot. But the fact of the matter is, is that the, that the Bible just doesn't, you know, provide the same kinds of provisions for women that they does for men. And the reason is, is because eventually it's a type of Christ and the woman is the type of the church versus the man is the type of Christ and our submission to Christ um, as we submit to him in the church. Um, so I, I know that that's, there's a lot of people who are going to listen to that and either not understand it or reject that. That's fine, but that's not what I'm trying to get to here for our podcast here about the slavery issue that she's she's going to be the master's, you know, until he either sells her or gives her uh, up, which is, it's not the same as the man stealing kind of thing, which I will want to get to that the Bible absolutely rejects, which is what we had here in America. So what we, what you want to do, listener, is you don't want to immediately equate the sinful man stealing practice of American slavery or British slavery or colonialism slavery and and immediately read that back into the text of Scripture right. because it's completely different. Right, right, right. So before we get too far off, um, because absolutely I want to get there soon. Uh, so would we agree then that with the original premise that the Bible condones slavery? It, it, a form of it, yeah. Got it. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and let's be honest, I mean, we enter into contractual agreements with people that we're bound to, and that's a form of slavery still today. So it isn't a foreign concept. We just use different words. Right. Which is what I was hoping to get to. Yeah. It, it's a matter of, like, definition of terms here. Yeah. What the Bible... Okay. And so do you want to move on? Sure. I just wanted to, I just wanted to establish that uh, because it was the questioner who said mm-hmm. the Bible condoned slavery. Sure, sure. It wasn't that but we had agreed or disagreed I, yet. I would worry that the questioner or somebody listening, um, you know, is reading back into the Old Testament something that, you know, is, is um, we've rejected and we realize is sin today. And that's unfair. You, you just can't do that. You can't read history like that. Man, why can't I think of the word for what that's called? I totally know it. Anyways, and it'll come to me probably tonight when I'm having dinner with faith or something. <laughs> Anyways, so in the New Testament, um, slavery is still something that happens, but it's different. It's Rome is now in charge, not Israel. And Roman slavery is more akin, not exactly one-to-one, but it's more akin to the man stealing uh, the Rome has conquered all the nations of the known world uh, there around the Mediterranean 
and has subjected most of those nations and the people of those nations into slavery. So there was a massive, in fact, I think that the percentages are one-third of the population was free and two-thirds was slave. And if the slaves could revolt, they they would have won. But, you know, there tried to be uprisings, but it never took. Anyways, so when we come to, I was in 1 Timothy and in preaching 1 Timothy, there's this passage that says, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is laid down for the, uh, not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. The ungodly, the sinners, the unholy, the profane, those who strike their fathers and mothers, murderers, sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars and perjurers. And that word enslaver, um, in some translations say kidnappers, because it's literally stealing people from, Mm -hmm. you know, and so this is, the Bible is condemning it here. You can see it saying this is against the law. This is opposed to the law. So... We, when we come to the concept of slavery that we had here in America, and some people will say, well, the Bible, some people use the Bible to say slavery was right. Well, they did, but they did it wrongly. Because here it's clearly condemned in Revelation chapter 18. It's also condemned there and in several other places. But um, this kind of, you know, going to another shore and by force taking people and ripping them out of their culture and society and then taking them to another one and forcing them into slavery against their will, that's, that's something that the Bible explicitly condemns. So when we look back to, uh, you know, well, gosh, when did it start? Like 1500s, 1600s in America? Well, 1492, we landed here. Mm, pretty much right away, yeah. So right away they started taking people, yeah. yeah. So... There's been a history of people using the Bible to condone slavery, um, to justify it. Mm -hmm. And so what you're saying then is that they're looking at Exodus 21. They're twisting it to suit their own desires and needs. And I'm just wondering, is is that what we see happening when these Christian people are, are trying to make themselves able to sleep at night? Well, it, well, nobody, or I shouldn't say nobody, almost nobody does that today. Sure. But when we go back and read, so what, you know, we read some of these Southern Presbyterians from before the Civil War, during the Civil War time. So Shed is one, and I have his dogmatics, and I love his dogmatics, but he definitely was an advocate for slavery. And most of the argumentation from people like Shed, um, had to do more with the economics that were going on behind it, using biblical passages as a sprinkling of a proof text. You right. know what I mean? Oh, totally. So it isn't like there's like a strong exegesis of... They uh, really uh, uh, wanted to see it. Right. Well, they, they, it was the fabric of what they were living. And mm-hmm. so they, they were, you know, society in their mind would be undone if slavery was abolished. And so they were saying, well, here's where scripture says it's okay, basically to maintain their standard of living. And um, every people do that all the time still today with other issues. So that was going to be my next oh, question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Ask no, your question. No, you, you don't need me. 
Uh, so my next question was going to be, do you, do you see anything today, which would be difficult? Obviously, we would want to be outspoken if we do see something where maybe... Can I back up before you ask that question? You are, yeah. Hold, hold that question because um, there's a passage in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that I wanted to, to flesh out just a little bit. It says in 1 Corinthians 7, let each person, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and in the Corinthian church, there's both very wealthy people and slaves, the, the poorest of slaves. And they were all there. They're all one in Christ. They're all unified. And this is an area where people will point out, oh, well, you see, here's another place where the Bible condones slavery. And I want to show it's not exactly that. Um, because Paul never says, all slaves should be set free, right? There's even a letter written by Paul to Philemon, a slave owner, about accepting Onesimus, a slave, back into his household. And he doesn't say free the guy. He says, accept him back into your household because he ran away and he became a Christian when he ran away. But this passage here sheds some light on why Paul um, says the things he does and doesn't give a blanket condemnation um, for any slavery anywhere for, at all time. And he says, let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and which God has called him. So he's, he's falling back on his presupposition is God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. He has a plan and he has a purpose in every single thing that happens. And his purpose is good and right and just. And we can trust his purposes. Whereas I'm not even sure my purpose for getting up this morning. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I, but, but with God, it's like we can trust his purposes. So that's the underlying presupposition. If God is God and he is a truly God, then he is perfectly capable of having a purpose for somebody living as they were called, uh, whether it's, well, we'll see what he means here. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Well, don't remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Well, let him not seek circumcision, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. So he's saying, you know, you don't need to become a Jew. You don't need to undo your circumcision and mutilate yourself. Just live like you are, man. Just yeah. be who you are. God is, he has you where he has you. He knows what he's doing. And then he goes on and says, each should remain in the condition which he was called. Were you a slave when called? Don't be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who is called in the Lord as a slave is a freeman in the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when he is when he was called a slave. Likewise, he who was free when he is called is a slave to Christ. You were bought with a price. Don't become slaves to men, brothers. In whatever condition you were called, let him remain with God. So, in that passage, there he's clearly saying, well, you know, the the slave is actually free in Christ. And the person who's free is actually a slave to Christ. So those distinctions physically are way inferior and don't matter near as much as our spiritual standing before the Lord. So let's talk about verse 23 there. It yeah. says, you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Mm -hmm. So we already determined that the Bible does 
condones slavery. Mm-hmm. But here we see it saying, don't become a slave of men. Mm-hmm. So how can it condone it and then tell you not to become one? Well, if you, what he also tells you if you were a slave to be, to, and you have the ability to free yourself, then free yourself. Right. So he says that as well. I don't think those are, you know, he's saying two different things there. He's saying that you should live as you're called. If you're a slave, then just be a good good servant. Mm-hmm. Be a good slave. Be the best you can possibly be. And if you're free, then be cool. Be a good person. Treat people good and treat people decently. Here, don't be a slave to men is, I, he, he's saying, I, I think if you're free, then make sure you, may, you maintain your freedom. Don't get yourself in a position where financially you now have to go and become a bond servant to somebody else because you owe a debt. Or, I was just you know, about to ask. Something is, along those lines. Is this basically... Dave Ramsey. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say that, but is this basically going to be along the same lines as like debt? Like it's telling you, no, like, yeah, I think don't that, put yourself into a don't spot. Don't put yourself in a spot, yeah. Where you need to do this. Yep. Live, in, live if you're free, live with your freedom in Christ and live according to the commandments of God. Live, live a holy life, live a decent life, live a life that is pleasing to God. So if, if you are a slave, he says here, you know, remain as you're called and be a good one. And if you have the opportunity to get your freedom, then do it. By all means, do it. Um, but don't put yourself back in bondage under people, under man, if you're free, because that's going to limit how you're going to be able to serve God. It's going to limit um, uh, where your mind goes. If you're a slave to somebody, your mind is not immediately first going to go, how can I honor the Lord in this? Your mind immediately goes to, I got to do what you're preoccupied, what, what the master asked me to do. And, yeah. and, and, and you should, you, you should do those things. So like work. I, I should do what, you know, my boss asks me to do. And even if there's something somewhere, I mean, I don't have this, but even if there was something somewhere in my mind where I was like, you know, I don't want to do this, I still am compelled and obligated to do it because he's my employer. He's my boss. And in some ways, he is my master. When I'm there from 8.30 in the morning to 5.30 in the afternoon, um, he's my master. And I'm, I'm there to do what he tells me to do, what needs to be done. It's his business, and, and I'm glad to be there, and it's, it's a good thing to do. And so um, when I'm not there, you know, I'm able to do what the Lord calls me to do. So we do Bible studies and praying with people and discipling with people and that kind of thing. Yeah. So yes. now. Yeah, now. <clears throat> are there issues where culturally, not just... Uh, the secular culture, but in Christian culture as well, where they are handcuffed to the way that uh, society has been run and they're kind of um, stuck to where if they function in a way that we see biblically, it would be a whole lot of undoing their way of life. Do we find any other issues um, where... Christians today are trying to justify um, the, our, our very way of life. Yeah, I, th- I think that politics is probably the place where my mind first goes, is that people will, because of, for whatever reason, they're Democrat, Republican, or independent, libertarian, whatever they are, that they have these presuppositions and there are people on both sides of the aisle and 
left, super left-leaning, super right-leaning, that will look to the Bible and find justification for their certain positions in the Bible. Again, um, proof texting, um, you might say cherry-picking, just picking out a verse here, picking out a verse there, and then you go and read it in context, and you're like, what the? That is not what that's saying at all. You know, there's people who, well, Trump himself does it, but um, <laughs> there are Trump supporters that do it, and then there's supporters that are on the left that for whatever reason do it too. And that they'll look to more of the social issues and, you know, look, try to find some ways and means that they can use the Bible to support their, their agendas. And I wonder, often wonder why do people still do that? You know, they've clear, you know, a lot of people, it's clear that they've abandoned the scriptures, their authority. So why in the world are they going back to it and trying to use it as justification? And I think people just because they have the, the law of God written on their heart. They just know it. They just know it's the truth. They know God is real. They know they're accountable to him. They can't escape it. Their conscience bears witness. You know, all Romans chapter one, two, and three, there's, you know, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All, all of that stuff's true. And so what people instinctively do, they don't, I don't think they put a lot of thought into it, but they'll find a Bible verse that they feel like supports their position, and then they'll run with it for a while. But, um, yeah, do, I, do you have something else in mind besides politics? No, but um, it just made me think that whenever people try to get real doom and gloom about what it's like to be a Christian in America today, like, that's kind of where my mind goes. Or the fact that you have major po- major political um, party leaders who are still trying to justify um, their actions, their uh, agendas biblically mm-hmm. shows you that it's still plenty okay to be a Christian in America today, relatively speaking to other parts of the world. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like things aren't that bad when you have somebody like Donald Trump trying to use his Bible or his Bible, someone's Bible. He got one from somewhere. He probably has one. Yeah, he probably got it from the hotel he was staying in that day. He probably got it from Liberty University when he spoke there. So it's probably King James. Quoting two Corinthians. Um, (laughs) But anyway. I can't believe you remember that. (laughs) Oh, dude. I just remember Trevor Noah doing this like cut to like... uh, it was something about like two Corinthians, two furious or something like that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. That's why I still remember it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like the fact that people are still trying to cater to Christians in that way means that uh, it's still a lot better to be here than to be in most other places. I'm not a political prognosticator or prophet or anything like that. Um, but I, I don't, I, I don't think it'll continue forever. Um, in fact, I don't, not sure it'll continue for my lifetime. Oh, I'm not even here um, to say that it's getting like better. I for sure agree that it's getting worse and worse all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not here to say that things aren't degrading. What I am here to say is like you need, like you should be thankful. Yeah, the, the, look, the gospel is always going to prevail. And one of the things, let's, let's be honest, I am glad the Bible speaks to this issue in both of the ways it speaks to this issue, where on one hand, it does condone it. And if you look at it carefully and read what it is that's actually happening there, you can see that there is benefit to what it's talking about when it refers to slavery. And then it also condemns the sinful practice of man stealing and enslaving like we had here in this country. And you can look at both sides of that. And the beauty of scriptures, we can take it anywhere in the world 
and it's still going to apply. We can take this to Indonesia, to Singapore, to Australia, to Zanzibar. I mean, you know, anywhere in the world. And this is this kind of stuff is still going to make sense to people, and the gospel is still going to have an effect. Um, you know, God is not bound by uh, human practices and ways and means. And so because there are people who do sinful things and use the Bible to justify their sinful actions, uh, doesn't mean that somehow, you know, God is bound or that God is taken off guard or surprised. And he's perfectly capable of getting his point across. And I think he does, I think he does clearly in scripture. Even in this issue, I think it, I do think it's clear. I think we need to be sensitive when we handle this. But at the same time, I, I don't think we need to, this isn't something that I, I feel like is, is uh, um, something I need to shy away from or a black eye, you know, because I think we can clearly say, no, it was wrong what happened here. I was about to say, to sum up, does the Bible condone slavery? Yes. Does it portray it as something desirable? No. And is what happened in the United States back before it was the United States. And uh, while it was the United States. Right, right, right. But uh, is what happened in America, is that condoned by Scripture? No. No. Not at all. No. So there you go. There you go. It's nice when you can just look at the Bible and it, 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 it has lots of wisdom and it, it speaks for itself. Yeah. 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 And nuance is a good thing. Hey, do you want a question of the day? (laughs) We've come a long way in this episode where I was talking about my respect for you being nuanced and you Uh say you're basically averse to nuance. And then here you are, 40 minutes later, saying that... I've grown wiser. Nuance is a good thing. (laughs) Nice. All right, what you got for me? Okay, so what do you think is the premier vehicle for listening to music? So what I mean is there have been records, there have been cassettes, there have been reel-to-reel tapes, there have been eight tracks, there have been CDs, there's digital. What do you think is the premier method, vehicle by which you listen to music and why? And you can, there, there's, there's I don't, nuance to this. I, I don't <laughs> want to answer it the way that it's framed. Why? Because my answer is, I don't think you're asking the right question. Okay. I don't think the medium about the music itself is the issue. I don't think whether it's a record, a cassette tape, or a digital copy really matters near as much as the speaker that you listen to it through. I saw this, uh, like... uh, I don't know what you call it. It wasn't an infographic. Anyway, I saw this uh, thing. We'll call it a thing. (laughs) Words are great. You're erudite today. Yeah, thanks. Uh, (laughs) So I saw this thing where they're like, okay, so somebody has like, it's a diagram. That's what I'm looking for. It's this diagram where it's like $2,000 guitar, like $2,000 amp goes into a like, $150,000 soundboard and then like the record company like blah 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 they spend all this money to get it onto these discs or on this and then somebody listens to it through um, like 
they pay a, a dollar for it on iTunes. This is dating it now. But you buy a song for 99 cents on iTunes and you listen to it on the free AirPod or EarPods, earbuds, yeah. that's what they're called, yeah, that you got with your phone. Uh-huh. Like all this money that was spent on quality and then people are just like paying nothing for it and listening to it on crappy headphones. So all that to answer your question, I would steer clear of cassettes. I think CDs were fine. Digital is hit or miss. That's what I've heard the most about digital is you can get some like really, like I had somebody tell me that they downloaded an album on iTunes. This is back in the early 2000s. And uh, they wrote to iTunes. They said the quality on this is terrible. And they gave their money back. Really? Yeah, which is crazy to think about. But uh, I think Mm -hmm. digital is just inconsistent. Obviously, I've heard a ton about how like record quality is uh, like, like vinyl quality Mm -hmm. is where it's at. And people have been kind of trying to chase that in a way that's more uh, convenient to use. Yeah. But I think where everyone falls short is on their speaker quality. Huh. Why, why do artists insist on putting out vinyl still then? Um, I think today it has way more to do with something tangible. And it's way cooler to hold. Like a book. Yeah. Yeah. It's way cooler. That's why the book will never die. It's way cooler to hold... Uh, an album, uh-huh. like a vinyl album, than a CD. Oh, so you think it's just purely about the the aesthetic? You yep. don't think it's about the sound quality? You don't think that they're... I don't think they would make money. I don't think they would sell the way they do if it was simply about sound. No. Hmm. No, I just... I, like if, like, because, I mean, nobody was clamoring over uh, vinyl when there were CDs. Because you were replacing something physical with something physical. It wasn't as cool. It was smaller. Mm-hmm. But you still had the album art. You still got to like go to the store and buy it and hold it. You could look at it on a shelf. And well, I got like, to live through all, all that. CDs. Right? So yeah. I got to live. We only, it was just vinyl and 8-track when I was a kid. And we legit had 8-track player in our stereo in the house. Nice. Along with a record player. I had one in my bug. Yeah, I had one in one of my vehicles, and I don't remember which vehicle it was. But um, but I never owned... So then cassette tapes were, came out, and back in the early 80s, I remember, you know, my, I remember my first cassette tape was We Are Not Men, We Are Devo. Um, that was fun. And I don't remember what my first actual album was, but it was before that. I think... No, I don't know. I don't remember. And I, myself, I always liked cassette tapes. Probably just because that was what I mostly had. Um, But records I really liked too. And I had lots of records. But yeah, I don't know. I I like just throwing on Spotify now and listening to whatever I want. You can't beat convenience. It's, yeah, unfortunately, that's what it is. Unfortunately for the artist. (laughs) I don't think you can beat. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can beat convenience, and I don't think anyone's complaining about the quality of streaming right now as long as you're playing it through a good speaker. Yeah, if I want to, well, if I want to listen to, you know, Public Image Limited, which I did this week because I saw that interview with Johnny Rotten and Conan O'Brien, and it made me go, ah, oh, I want to listen to them. I don't have any of their albums. I used to. I used to have their albums. <clears throat> I don't anymore. So if I didn't have Spotify or some kind of streaming, I would have to go track them down, go to a music. I mean, that's the way it used to be, you know. I remember buying New Order Substance, and it was a two-CD set, and then 
it, when I got home, it had both of the same CDs. So I had to drive around, go back to the warehouse, is what the place was called, the, the record store, and say, hey, this was both disc twos. I need disc one and disc two. Okay. They didn't have it. And I remember having to drive around all over Orange County from warehouse store to warehouse store before I finally found it. It was, it was a whole day just to get that. Instead, right now, I can just like pull up my phone and go on Spotify and type in new order, and there I got it. And you don't even pay for it. I don't even have to get up. Yeah. All I have to do is get maybe a cramp in my thumb. Ow. You need to change your lifestyle if that gives you a cramp in your thumb. <laughs> All right, so ask the question again. How do you like to listen to your music? Great. <laughs> Great. I love That's it. That's not the best one now. I thought it was really clever when I was thinking about it earlier, and you just well, you put fra- the poo-poo Well, on you it. phrased it a lot better the first time than you did the second time. Well, because you persuaded me that it was dumb. <laughs> That's fine. Whether you are nuanced like me or you are averse to it like Pat, we believe you belong. You belong.